It's Thursday, August 14th. Welcome to Mark Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Thursday, my friend. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, is it? <laughs> and the only reason I ask that is, is oh, because, you've tripped me up already. I, I, the <laughs> reason I ask that is because the the first stock we're going to talk about might be a little painful, and that's Red Robin Gourmet Burgers. We'll also talk about SeaWorld Entertainment, and we will dip into the full mailbag. But let's start with Red Robin. Second quarter profits much lower than expected for Red Robin Gourmet Burgers, and shares are down more than twenty percent this morning, hitting a new fifty-two week low. This is a stock you watch closely, I believe. Um, in the past, it has been a holding in the Great America Fund uh, at Motley Fool Asset not, Management. Not only in the past. Oh, okay. So it's a holding. Um, I my, can only comment on our most requ- uh, recently filed uh, statement okay. and, 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 and according, disclosure. And, and according ac- to those items, yes, apparently we still own it. So my first question, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a terrible quarter that features same-store sales of just over 1% and uh, you you can't blame. That's not so bad. Well, That's, positive same store sales is not you know it, it, although less than the trend had been. It sounds like I'm defending the stock. Let me let me tell you about our say- history, our Great America Funds history with the stock, which was I think the last time we bought it was about three years ago. It's about a triple since then, and we sold about half of it uh, a year ago at a higher price than today. So there. <laughs> Um, it's, it's your short timing, uh, you know, focus today. I'm not short timing, but I would r- be remiss if I did not mention that while you say positive same store sales, even at 1.2 percent, is a good thing, um, the market appears to disagree with you today. I think that the uh, the bigger chunk of that, and and you know, when you're accustomed to, to bigger uh, numbers, it's it's had a very very nice ride over the last three years, starting off from quite a, a depressed price um, back then. And uh, I think a bigger part of it, and so uh, something we can talk about in a broader sense, is that the margins were uh, well below what had been uh, hoped for. And so the, the sales, uh, I, I think, in, uh, beat expectations uh, you know, across the, uh, the whole report, but, uh, but not the margins and therefore not the uh, profits, and that's a reminder that making money and making more money uh, on each dollar of sales uh, is important to to growing the earnings. And uh, across the markets, uh, markets, uh, sorry, margins are at an all-time high, and uh, that is something a lot of people are concerned about in terms of uh, whether the profits of today, taken as a whole across the the market, are, are sustainable. Is part of the ride, part and parcel of of the great ride the stock has had the last few years, isn't that that it now has greater expectations? And I know this is not a case. We've seen this with other companies where they put up really good numbers, but the expectations for a stock are so high that the stock drops a little bit. A stock dropping more than twenty percent, they're not they're not missing by just a little bit. There's clearly. Discontent, right. right? And I, I think that the stock had gotten well ahead of itself. Had gotten ahead of itself, you know, in as measured by our actions in the Great America Fund, um, you know, more than a year ago, it was above the price that it's at after the drop today. So, you know, there was a lot of built-in uh, optimism into the stock that continued. Uh, it has been coming down prior to this, uh, prior to today's report this year. And you know, and 
at the end of all that, having gone a little too high, a little too fast, and coming down quite a bit today, it's it's pretty much at a market multiple. You know, I think that a lot of the story here is the delight uh, over and uh, gourmet burgers, and the what I would say is uh, increased supply. I mean, it's hard not to walk past a gourmet burger place anymore. Uh, they're just they're all over the place. People are willing to pay up. A little bit more for a burger, but this is part of the margin stories. As more and more companies enter the competition to, you know, serve you a gourmet hamburger, uh, they will not be able to keep raising prices on each other, and, and that's been part of the problem here. I don't know to what extent you can go into the decision that you guys made a year ago or so to sell the stock, but I am curious uh, if you if you need to broaden this to selling in general. But in that situation, did you? Did you look at Red Robin at the time and say, this stock has had a great run, we're going to sell half of our stake, and by the way, we're going to use that money into these other opportunities that we see out there, or was it more, look, regardless of what we do the cash, we should take, uh, we should sell some of this, because it's, it's really outperformed our own expectations. It was more, you know, in the year since we made that sale, we've obviously had uh, many additional dollars come into the fund. We've got to allocate those. So, I mean, it all gets mixed into the whole amount of money that we use to buy other stocks, you know, increase positions so that uh, as, as more money comes into the fund, the things we like are, are reflected uh, as a percentage holding um, at, the, at the place we want. Red Robin had tripled in price uh, in a pretty short period of time. And to a point where it was a bigger uh, piece of the portfolio than we had imagined it being. So it was partly, you know, portfolio sizing. And, you know, one of the reasons we were willing to downsize it was uh, it, it, the valuation. You had to come up with a lot of optimistic numbers to think that it was worth holding at that level. Uh, we, you know, we, I guess we'd be taking where I would be, I'm, I'm not everybody's here to do this, a victory lap if we had sold it all at the, at the <laughs> top. We didn't do that. So, but, you know, we, we allocated capital okay on this one. That, that's a good point. And I think Tim Hansen had talked about that uh, at, at some point when he was in here. When your thesis for a stock includes the word and over and over. Well, if this happens and that happens and this third, like if the more ands you're adding to your thesis, the more you should reconsider how strongly you feel about that thesis. SeaWorld Entertainment shares are down about 2% this morning, which is a vast improvement over <laughs> yesterday when shares fell 33%. Their quarterly earnings were down big. And I'm just going to quote directly from a story in the Los Angeles Times. The Orlando, Florida-based company also conceded for the first time that attendance at its theme parks had been hurt by negative publicity concerning accusations by animal rights activists that SeaWorld mistreats killer whales. You and I talked about this yesterday, and I made the point that, well, this disproves the old adage that any publicity is good publicity. No, sometimes, sometimes bad publicity is bad publicity and does bad things to your business. And in the case of SeaWorld Entertainment, and we can get into their other holdings because it's not just the SeaWorld theme parks that they own. In their case, it's an Academy Award-winning film called Blackfish, 
which I have not seen, but uh, Steve Broido, our man behind the glass, uh, I remember him coming in here one day and saying, I watched this movie over the weekend, and holy cow, it was it was horrible. Um, uh, and just the idea that, no, this actually is having a material effect on their business. And if they are now only conceding for the first time that this is hurting their business, I'm, I'm not saying they're going out of business immediately or, or even in the next year or so, but I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around how this problem goes away for them. Well, one thing to do is what is the scale of the problem? And this became a bigger problem when CNN became the distributor of the film. Uh, CNN Films, I don't know how many other films they distributed. Even, uh, by the way, I didn't even know until you mentioned this yesterday that CNN has a films division. CNN has, has had their uh, you know teeth wrapped into this one for a long time. They have promoted this film as, as they are perfectly... Uh, capable of doing and and can you know having spent the money to become one of the distributors may as well um and you know i'm sure they feel good about the the work in the documentary so uh so it's a problem for SeaWorld that is bigger than it would have been if it had gotten the normal amount of attention that a documentary gets in this country which is approximately i don't know a half an hour during the academy awards half a minute Really, you know, I mean, how many documentaries a year do you see? I probably less see, than one. Uh, no. <laughs> every every once in a while, you see a documentary. I'll, I'll see a couple a year. Yeah, really, I mean, in a theater. Uh, oh no, I'm not. Oh I, no, I, no, I'm a married man with kids. I don't really go to the theater <laughs> unless it's to see an animated film with my kids. Um, But no, you know, watching online or getting a DVD or or Netflix or something, sure, I'll watch documentaries. So the scale of the problem is, uh, one, you've got the the iconic, you know, animal for SeaWorld, which is Shamu or whoever the animal happens to, Orca, whatever his or her name happens to be this A killer whale. A bunch of them, yes. All killer whales. And and, and also this kind of came out of the, the... uh, death that one of the killer whales inflicted on one of the handlers uh, prior to the documentary. So um, I think that it's a problem for them. It's a company that has a lot more than just two sea worlds. you know, San Diego and Orlando. They have the, some of the Bush Gardens properties, the one here in Williamsburg. They have Sesame Place, um, a, a bunch of other theme parks. And I think they need to promote, you know, their Sesame Placedness right now more than their killer whale icon uh because they've got that they've got that trick they they need to spend more money uh on the pr rather than just denying that that this movie uh ever had or would cause them any problems uh they've you know they've they've taken one of the first steps to solving their problem which is to admit they have a problem right and one of the things they can do is go a little overboard on here are all the wonderful things we we do for our animals. I, I think there's enough residual goodwill for the company that they can spin that story. Maybe not uh, in a way that the animal rights groups themselves will will buy into, but the the public is not as you know embedded in in believing that uh, all animals who are held outside the wild and are used for entertainment you know must be. Uh, freed, um, so I, I think there's there's more latitude to get their name back uh, than one would fear. But right now they're they're not they're not getting the job done. Do you think that beyond just the earnings, part of the sell-off yesterday was possibly some people uh, looking at this as 
a, a stock that they are putting in the same category that people who say, I don't want to own tobacco stocks. Because I could see that. I could see institutions saying, you know what? I, I I have enough problems. I don't need the headache of this. And this I'm not so wedded to the business of SeaWorld Entertainment, the larger business, that I'm going to deal with uh, the flack I'm getting from people for owning this stock. Yes, you may have some of that. I don't know if that many people woke up yesterday and suddenly became... Uh, you know, morally against owning the stock uh, so much as panic that it's gone down a lot and maybe I should sell. And, and kind, of, kind of everybody uh, is underwater on the stock at the moment because uh, it came public a year and a half ago or whatever it was at a higher price than it's got right now. So everybody is underwater. And so I think that that had a lot to do with it. But there is a way back. They've got a lot of different assets uh, that are beyond the killer whale uh, to, to use. It was there, there. There were a few other things that went wrong. Some of the weather uh, was tricky uh, for their their traffic patterns. Not it that, was apparently yes. In San Diego, California, they're all- also in Orlando, where <laughs> and 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 they're and as I say they've got like twenty parks. Or so. There are a lot of other properties. Yeah, but this isn't a quarter that involves months like December, January, and February. Well, but Did it's they a quarter say that, that you're comparing to the year before quarter, and they're not the only one. Six Flags has also had bad numbers. Now Disney has not, so it it, it isn't all. Oh, the weather! You get to blame that. There's like. Uh, percent here, percent there. When you're comparing this summer's weather versus last summer's weather, that sort of thing, Disney's not, you know, hiding behind that kind of excuse. They're they're doing much better. Uh, but I, I think that it's not all uh, the documentary. There there are some operational issues there as well. Earlier in the week, we talked about Amazon facing off with Disney, which led us to talk about. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos facing off in a conference room with Bob Iger, uh, the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Uh, we got some comments uh, emailed to us and on Twitter. Uh, our handle is at MarketFoolery um, from Shiraz in Tokyo, Japan, who writes on Twitter, Bob Iger is a beast, but Jeff Bezos is worth more than $30 billion and Bob Iger is worth about $100 million. So if we're just if we're just talking sheer dollars, then how many dollars they can throw at each other? Yeah, if it's a money fight, like a true money fight, like you saw in The Simpsons, where it involves Mr. Burns and Smithers throwing money at one another, then yeah, Bezos has a lot. Uh, also, you can email us radio at fool dot com, an email from Charles Gardner in Central Florida, because we did talk about robots being involved in this. And he wrote, what robots would Bob Iger bring to negotiations with Jeff Bezos? I have to believe he would bring nothing less than the robotic U.S. presidents from the Hall of Presidents at Disney World. The Founding Fathers could certainly take a bunch of Kiva robots, with Ronald Reagan declaring, Mr. Bezos, tear down this digital wall. What a great image. So thank you for that, <laughs> Charles. Um, but what about that? Against, I, I, against my better judgment, I'm going to Treat this question seriously. Okay, whose robots would beat whose? Ro- any robots would beat the Hall of Presidents, right? I don't know about that. Realistically, re- taking this seriously, sure, you can take out all of those robots easily. All, all you know, they, they've they've got pretty limited movements, pretty limited things they can say. There's 44 of them. There, there are 44 of them, but they're not moving. 
You can take them out one by one. It's like a kung fu movie. They're no. never going to charge you all at the same time. Let's 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 grant them that they can move. Let's grant them that they can actually walk. If we're going to oh, now you're just making stuff up. I'm just saying the Kiva robots that Amazon has in their fulfillment centers, uh, which move large packages around. Let's also, I guess, we got to give them the drones, the flying drones. I think Amazon's I, looking good at this point. They're looking pretty good, but uh, also keep in mind that while. I think the country bears could take the presidents. No way. The country bears? Are you kidding me? They're bears. <laughs> but there's only there's a, only one president that could take a bear. Um, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt. What about Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter? Again, this is, uh, <laughs> you're not taking this seriously okay. at all. Okay, Teddy Roosevelt, Andrew Jackson, a military guy, George Washington, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Yes, President Obama looks like a fit guy. George I, W. Bush was a, a, way, a really I mean, fit guy. Everybody should. I mean, the only thing they really need to take out from this is to go and find on the Internet the discussion of which president would be victorious in a knife fight, which yeah. is a phenomenal piece of, of uh, research and writing. And, and his, you'll learn a lot about your presidents. You know what? We'll tweet that out on the market. For you should, because it's, it's absolutely worth everybody's uh, uh, reading. Uh, I should mention that we have nothing to do with it. Uh, we, no, we have nothing to do with it. this. Yeah. Is this is we're promoting someone else's work here, but it is very fine work. Uh, you can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues by going to fullfunds.com and signing up for Declarations, their free monthly newsletter. Uh, just go to fullfunds.com and type in your email address in the box, and uh, you get Declarations. And uh, as I've said before, one of the great things about Declarations, uh, besides the fact that it's very thoughtful writing, uh, it comes once a month. It's not. We're, we're, it's they're not bombarding you. Unlike every day. a lot of our other emails uh, at this company, uh, just it's just once a month. Uh, uh, programming note: I am not here next week, but Market Foolery will be here because I'm pre-taping some episodes uh, with a couple of special guests. A couple of people who, who don't normally appear on Market Foolery will be uh, will be here next week. So so sort of better than average shows then. Oh, I don't want to promise that. <laughs> I'm just saying, people. They're who, special guests. They're special guests, but they're. I'm. I'm. I don't want to overly promise that they're going to be phenomenal guests. They're just people who you don't normally hear from. All right. Here on the market foolery. Uh, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd, who last night won a karaoke contest. So hats off to Dan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.